Joshua, the third chapter, please. It's really exciting to be in the house of God today and to see you here. May we bow together in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we ask the Lord to move upon our hearts that we might hear from heaven. And in these brief moments, may we see the Bible message that will feed the spiritually hungry and bring conviction to the unsaved and the Holy Spirit's encouragement to those who are burdened. Have thy way in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Joshua 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shechem and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which you must go. For ye have not passed this way before. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. There's a beautiful hymn that's been written by John Peterson. What's ahead? What does the future hold? What will tomorrow bring? God has measured time's duration, night and day are his creation, and the changing seasons of the year. He's the one who watches o'er me and prepares the way before me. There is nothing now I need to fear. Life's uncertainties may haunt me. Foolish fears may try to taunt me till my heart is filled with doubt and dread. He who set the planet spinning sees the end from the beginning. He will keep me through the days ahead. All the world is in confusion. Peace on earth is but illusion. And the phrase seems only a cliche. But in trying times so fearful, I can still be calm and cheerful. And with glad assurance, I can say, God knows all about tomorrow. And isn't that a wonderful truth? Moses, the man of God, was dead. God had signaled Joshua, who had been with Moses for many years, to be the leader, the new leader of Israel. During those 40 years of wandering from the time at Kadesh Barnea until the victory at the Jordan, there was sin in the camp over and over and over again. There were people who had one time known the Lord, but they had allowed fear to squeeze out their faith. They had allowed burdens to so depress them they no longer served. They had faith failure. They murmured over this and this and this. And so Moses, gone now, a new leader, Joshua says, Folks, you need to sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. 
And in that simple phrase, he was looking back and looking forward. The word sanctify means to set yourself apart. The word sanctify does not mean holy without sin. It means set apart to God's use. Hagios is the word for holy. That word does not mean sinless. It means set apart for God's use. Now, as we think about Joshua's message, sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you, we need to look back and see what he was telling them to sanctify themselves from. So we turn your Bible to Exodus. Exodus chapter 5. When the people of Israel had left Egypt, they had left with a, a, a great moving of God's Spirit. God had sent Moses back to say, go down and say, Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, Moses did that, and as usual, nothing is very simple in life. Sometimes we hear the Word of God say, you need to do such and such a thing. And we say, well, all right, I'll do that. And then things don't seem to be working out like they're supposed to work out. And you begin to wonder. You begin to have faith failure. Has that ever happened to you? Seems like the whole world tumbles in. You're trying to do what God says to do, and yet it isn't working out like you wanted it to work out. And so you have problems on top of problems. That's the way the people of Israel felt. And as a result of that, they began to murmur. Look in chapter 5, verse 21. Verse 21. And they said unto Moses, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made us offensive in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. They were embarrassed before Pharaoh. You see, before Moses came down there, they had their bricks and uh, they had their straw furnished and they had their other things and they could make their bricks. But when Moses came down and began to say to Pharaoh, God said, let my people go, Pharaoh made it harder on the people of God. And so they came to Moses complaining. They said, you've made us offensive. You've made us a stumbling block. Why, at one time we were Pharaoh's buddies. We got along with all these people in Egypt. But now, you've made us walk so straight and narrow. Why, they don't care for us anymore. They don't like us. And do you know that a lot of Christians face that? You give your heart to Jesus Christ and you begin to serve the Lord. And there's some things that are off limits in your life. And after a while, some that used to call you a jolly good fellow don't call you that anymore. Folks that used to want to be around you all the time think you're a little bit out of your mind. You go out to a restaurant to eat and you say, well, I want to stop and thank God for our food. And they look at you and they say, well, where'd you get that? Were you not in the nursery any longer? I remember some kids telling me they went to the high school and they were, they'd always learned to pray before they eat. And so when they came lunchtime, they bowed their head to pray and some of the kids just made fun of them, giggled at them. Thought they were crazy, way off the wall. That's what was happening here. They were embarrassed and they said, said, Moses, you have been an offense to us. You made us offensive. You've embarrassed us before Pharaoh. And they murmured. And Joshua is saying, you need to set yourself apart from that. That feeling in your heart of cringement 
or embarrassment because you're trying to serve the Lord. Now there was another murmuring that came along. Look in your Bible to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, beginning verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were in great fear. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said, Moses, because there are no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? They were filled with fear. You see, all kinds of miracles happened in Egypt. And plague after plague after plague came in order to cause Pharaoh's heart to be open, to let the people of God go. And finally he let them go, and they went out the wilderness, went toward the Red Sea, and all of a sudden all of Pharaoh's army comes marching behind them, and the people of God, instead of turning to God, they say, Moses, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. You have led us out here to die in the wilderness. It would be better to back, be back down there with the garlics and leeks of Egypt rather than be out here and be chased and pursued by Pharaoh and killed by Pharaoh. They were scared out of their wits. Now let me ask you something. How long has it been since you've been afraid? Some problems have come. Financial pressures. Family problems. Physical problems. All kinds of difficulties. How long has it been since you've been afraid? Joshua said, folks, sanctify yourself. Turn yourselves away from fear. Fear is an awful thing. It wraps its icicle arms and fingers around our lives and chokes out our power. It keeps us from being what we ought to be. It makes people feel inferior. I don't know how many through, through the years, how many times I've asked somebody to sing or ask somebody to teach a Sunday school class or be a bus pastor and say, well, I'm afraid I couldn't do that. I've never done that before. I'm afraid. Filled with fear. Now, I know what you experienced because I've experienced it too. One of the contributing factors to my long putting off the Lord's tug at my heart when I was a young boy about preaching was fear. I thought I could never speak in public. I used to go to training union. Brother Roger will remember Walnut Street Baptist Church in training union. And they would give everybody a part. And I told the leader I wasn't coming back because I'm not going to, I don't know, I, I didn't tell her, but I was scared to death to give a part. And we had a wise training union leader. And the, the, the next time she persuaded me to come, they, they, typed a little scripture verse out for everybody to read and they started over on the other side from me and everybody read their verse and when they got to me I read my verse and I found out I didn't die because I read it out loud and she helped me listen I believe in training union I hope we do something like that in the junior department in training union help our kids a little bit later I got up the courage to go into the darkened auditorium of our church in Louisville. And I felt God's tug at my heart, but I was so scared. I just went up. Nobody was there. And I opened my Bible in the pulpit and read a verse of Scripture. And out of nowhere, there came a voice saying, Hey, that's one of these to call me Pete. Hey, Pete, that was good. 
shocked me to death. There was a lady named Teresa Addington who sang in the choir. I had no idea she was in there. And that was an encouragement. You know, a lot of people feel inferior. They feel like they can't do this or they can't do that because Satan has wrapped his tentacles of fear around your life. I can't sing. I can't teach Sunday school. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. I can't. Joshua said, children of Israel, it's time to set yourself apart from fear. Sanctify yourselves. Set yourself apart from all these things of the past. Turn your Bible over a couple of pages. And look at Exodus 15, verse 24. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? He cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he tested them. The waters were bitter. And they said, We can't drink this bitter water. We can't drink these bitter problems that come into our lives. Have you had some bitter things that come? I doubt if there's one person within the sound of my voice today who hasn't had some bitter things come into your life. You haven't known how to deal with them. Your very closest friend turned their back on you. Your family, maybe somebody you loved and they don't love you anymore. Maybe somebody has hurt you, crushed you. And you say, I can't go through with these bitter waters. Too bitter for me. God says, Joshua, you go down there and tell them to set themselves apart from their past bitterness. And what is worse than bitterness that comes to you? It's when it gets inside of you and makes you bitter. bitterness. Life is filled with incongruities. Life is filled with things that come to us that we would rather never have to face, but they come. And all too often we become bitter in our outlook, become little and dwarfed in our spirit. Joshua says, set yourself apart from this bitterness, these bitter waters. Turn over another page or so. Look at Exodus chapter 17. Rather 16, chapter 16 rather. Verse two, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said unto them, what? That we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. We're hungry. We don't know where our next meal is coming from. We don't know how our bodily appetites are gonna be met. We're lonely. Things don't seem fair. 
Other people have it good and we have it bad. You ever had that happen in your life? There's scarcely anyone here, even little kids, who haven't been able to look around and see that somebody else had it better than you did. You live in a shack, somebody else lives in a palace. You drive an old dilapidated car and somebody else drives a brand new car. And if you're not careful, there's going to be something inside that will say, that just isn't fair. I have needs that aren't being met. And you get upset about it. You become murmurers, complainers. But Joshua said, folks, if you're going to do something tomorrow, if you're really going to be what God wants you to be, you have to set yourself apart from that. Recognize it for what it is. Confess it. Turn away from it. Because God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whatever betide. God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his side. God will take care of you. Oh, isn't that a wonderful song? A wonderful truth. Have you had to experience it yet? I had a remarkable thing happen in our church a number of years ago. I think I've told you before. A young boy came, a teenager. He came faithfully to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. God got involved in our visitation and was there for every service, everything. And I saw him growing in the Lord. One day he came. I, I didn't know much about his, his home. One day he came and he said, to, Pastor, I will not be here next Sunday. I said, you're not going to be here next Sunday? No, I can't be here. Well, I said, I'm going to miss you. It's sort of unlike you. You're here all the time. He said, my dad's coming home next Sunday, and I'm going to meet him. I love my dad. Well, I said, has your dad been off on a trip? And then with tears coming down his face, he said, no, my dad's been in prison for 10 years. And he's coming home. We're all going to go out and meet him. I have to tell you, that's victory in the face of a lot of hurt. That man, that young boy grew 10 inches in my sight. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't bitter. He didn't hate his dad. He loved him. He didn't love what he did, but he loved him. Listen, there are a lot of bitter things and hurts that come. But when you pass through the valley of Baca, you can make it a well. You can make it something exciting. God will take care of you through it all. Look over at chapter 17 of Exodus. All the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and encamped in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did strive with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Water, a symbol of life itself. We're going to die. Can't live without water. We're going to die out here in this wilderness. You ever felt like curling up in a knot and dying? Just giving up, quitting. Some of you in this room have had enough to make you quit. I like that old song that says, where could I go but to the Lord? If I quit, where would I go to? Make a beeline for the cross. Go quickly. That's what Joshua is saying. Folks, 
sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart from the past of murmuring and complaining and the bitterness and all these things. Set yourself apart from them for tomorrow God has something wonderful for you. One last thing. Look over in Exodus chapter 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mount, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron said, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears, and so on and so on. Verse 4, And he received them at the hand and fashioned them with an engraving tool after he'd made a melted calf. And they said, he said, These are thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built the altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast of the Lord. And they rose up early on the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And you know what happened here? Unfaithfulness. They just left God out. Totally left God out. They got so involved in what was going on, they looked over at their neighbors. Their neighbors worshiped idols and Baal and all those other kinds of gods. And they say, well, what, what's happened to Moses? We don't know where he is. He's gone up in some mountain. He's uh, in an ivory tower somewhere. And all this thing about the Jehovah worship, that's all a thing of the past. Let's just do what the world does. Do what everybody else is doing. We'll get our standards from Hollywood. We'll get our standards from the television. We'll do what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is having an abortion, we'll have it. Everybody else is having free sex, we'll do that. We'll do what everybody else is doing. Tell you, my heart gets heavy when I think about abortion. 171 babies killed every hour. 42,000, 4,200 babies killed every day. 1,600,000 babies killed every year. 27 million slaughtered in 19 years. Abortion is killing for hire. In the paper just the other day, there was the article about this lady that hired some people to kill her husband. You read about it. They put her in prison for 20 years. They gave the man that killed the other one electric chair, death sentence. And I thought, how strange that they do be so cruel to this woman who just killed her husband. He lived pretty long. Hired somebody to kill her, kill him. And then the man that killed the man, why they were so, that's so inhumane, wanting him to go to the electric chair for that. Because Every day, thousands of little babies are slaughtered. And nobody says a word. Nobody says a word. Well, that's the way the world does it. It's legal. Joshua says, set yourselves apart from this. Sanctify yourselves. Be done with the past. Turn away from the murmuring. Turn away from the grumbling. Turn away from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because God has something he wants to do through you tomorrow. What is it he wants to do through you? There are three things God wants to do for you. He wants your life to be one of values. Values. 
He wants you to have some values that the Word of God embraces. Find out what God wants. And then say, by the grace of God, what God wants, that's what I want for my life. And Joshua spent the next few years trying to teach the people of God what God wanted in their lives. He said, you have to go in and conquer the land. There are Hittites and Jebusites and Canaanites and all these enemies of God. You have to conquer them. And they were symbols of all the enemies that come to your life. Sins of the flesh. Sins of the spirit. Worldliness. Jealousy, emulations, seditions, wrath, all these things. You have to deal with them. You have to have some values in your life. And then secondly, he said, I want you to have some virtues in your life. Set yourselves apart for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you if you will let him. The writer of Proverbs said, who can find a virtuous woman? for her price is far above rubies. Listen, ladies, don't get off the pedestal God put you on. Be virtuous. But there's no more reason to believe that God wants a woman to be virtuous than he wants a man to be virtuous. I had the privilege of being in a wedding yesterday. Angela Adamson and Earl McKinney were married. Angela had kept herself for Earl. And Earl for Angela. Beautiful. They'd gone together for a number of years and waited till Angela graduated from college. Every woman in this room ought to say, by the grace of God, I want to be like Mary, the mother of Jesus. I want her to be my pattern. She kept herself for the secrets of God. Every man in this room ought to say, I want to be like Joseph, whom God could trust with his secrets. And he whispered to Mary, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. He whispered to Joseph, that holy thing that's conceived in Mary is of God. Don't be afraid. And they came not together until after Jesus was born and then there were other children. Joshua said, sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart from yesterday's worldly, fleshly, demonic behavior. And look for the future. Look at what God wants to do through you. There's victory ahead. Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. I gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Jesus is the answer to your heart cry. Now listen to this. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God emptied himself in Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross and they nailed the nails in his hands and in his feet. They put the spear in his side. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. And the Son of God, hanging on an old rugged cross, cried out, Father, 
Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that moment, God the Father and God the Son made an eternal agreement that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. And we can get in on that if we trust Him as our Savior and repent of our sins. May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Our Father, we thank you for this exciting passage from the Word of God and the reminder to set ourselves apart from yesterday's failures to a tomorrow victory. I pray if there's one person in this place who has never been saved, that that one will come to Christ today. In the name of Jesus, amen. May we stand, please. Will you turn in your hymn book to number 353. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, 353, 353, burdens are lifted at Calvary. There's some folks that have heavy burdens today, and I want to encourage you to turn your burdens over to the Lord and let Jesus take charge of those burdens. Will you do that while the organ begins to play? 353, we're going to sing. Now, I want to ask you, if you're willing to give your heart to Christ, would you come? Step out from where you are and come to Jesus this morning. Trust Him as your personal Savior. Let Christ come into your heart. God will help you. And things will be different from now on. If you're here and you've already been saved, you're a member of another church and God wants you in Glendale, will you come? While we begin to sing, however God's Holy Spirit has impressed you, will you come today?